Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jantz, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Today, delighted to be your podcast host for a terrific episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and I suspect you do, then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger, longer, deeper. What more could you ask for? Visit agencyrevolution.com. And uh, I mean this seriously. Uh, I've had an opportunity to um, glimpse the transformation and the continual evolution of the software. If you haven't seen it lately, take a look. You'll be glad that you did. So uh, very quickly, what are we trying to do here? I consider that I've got a job to do for you, where it's my job to connect you with the people that are helping to change and reshape and lead this industry into the future, and to discern and dissect the information that you really need to thrive in the future. Sometimes that means that we swing between the strategic the trends and forces that are shaping the industry, and then swing to the tactical, real-world, practical way that people are responding to those trends and forces and succeeding. When we talk about the future, we often examine um, those things that are reshaping the industry right now. A timeline that I tend to focus on is, what's realistic in the next two or three years? When we talk about tactical, I like to talk about things that you can implement tomorrow, but particularly things that matter. I'm less concerned about how you can get six new likes on Facebook's Tuesday than how you can generate more leads and generate more high quality leads and increase your conversion and run a more efficient, profitable agency and achieve maximum customer lifetime value. So, yes, I do want this conversation to be perhaps the most important conversation you have in the industry for the week and the one that perhaps inspires you and the one that gives you a, an honest, truthful assessment of what's happening in the world that you're living in. If we achieve that, well, that's a high goal. I hope that we do. So I want to um, uh, uh, welcome my guest He is, uh, as you will soon discover, and I really save the intro for uh, when I start recording the podcast itself, Peter McDonald's co-founder and CEO of the InsureTech WonderWrite, and they have a strong value proposition that I think any insurance agency should pay attention to and listen to. Uh, Very quickly, before I um, invite you to that conversation, again, Um, Number one, thank you for many um, expressions of congratulations, I guess, for us exceeding 250,000 downloads for this podcast. Um, One thing thing that I noticed was that we hit 250,000 during my interview with um, my former client, Mark Peterson, who has, uh, as you may recall, has achieved 30% growth four years in a row in his niche. I reviewed the transcript of that conversation as well as conversations I had with him previously. And I have plucked 13 plums, um, 13 golden nuggets from that conversation and turned that into a one-page cheat sheet. If you'd like that, um, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Michael Jans, or you can email me, michael at michaeljans.com and just say 13 tips. I'll send you a copy of it if you haven't run across it yet. Uh, Also, uh, of course, follow me on LinkedIn if you don't do that. Also, I uh, have had some expression of interest 
for possible participation in uh, my mastermind group, which I'm um, uh, intending to restart in 2022 very early. And I need to hear quickly whether or not that's something that you want to raise your hand for. We will talk about it uh, before you make any decisions. So feel free to reach out to me again, Michael at michaeljans.com, or you can read about it at um, michaeljansmastermind.com. And of course, I want to encourage you to follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. And now, without further ado, it is my great uh, privilege to um, welcome you to listen to this conversation with a very articulate, forward-thinking, insuretech um, CEO and co-founder, Peter McDonald. Peter McDonald is our guest today. Peter is the co-founder and CEO of Wonderwrite before founding Wonderwrite in 2018. Peter worked as a family insurance agency at a family insurance agency selling most types of insurance. In this role, Peter earned industry licenses and credentials, which are probably familiar to most of you. CPCU, CRM, CIC, LIA, represented independent agents to lawmakers in Washington, D.C. with the big eye, and built and implemented technology for the agency. Uh, Peter was intrigued by computers since he was four, hacked the UI of AOL Instant Messenger, if you can remember that, uh, started modhalo.net to enhance Halo gameplay and built bulletprooflinks.com, which was featured in Wired Magazine. Before graduating high school, I quickly figured that the insurance industry needed better technology. Peter earned an MBA with distinction from Boston College as a Dean's Scholar and a BS in Mathematics cum laude from Wheaton. He lives in Massachusetts with his wife and two kids. He's a former traveler, former um, traveler, and that uh, <laughs> the, the traveling may have come before the two kids. A recent drone enthusiast and likes to be outside. Um, Peter, hi, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. How are you today? Feels great I to be on the fine. show together. I'm, I'm fine. No, I'm excited about this conversation because of the confluence of your skills. Um, so many of my guests um, in the insure tech world tend to be technology first, and then they, they discovered that insurance was um, perhaps reeking with problems or dripping with opportunity, and they came into the insurance world. You really were raised in insurance, but it seems like, um, well, like a, a lot of people are drawn to tech. You were drawn to it at a very young age and kind of cracked the code on its usefulness. So I'm excited about the conversation. Likewise. Hey, wanted to ask you quickly, Michael, I know, you know, you had shared with me, you're approaching a quarter of a million downloads on the podcast. Oh, that's so yesterday. That is so what's, yesterday. So we, what's next? <laughs> we, we, we actually, we did exceed over 250,000 downloads of this podcast during my interview with Mark Peterson. Um, so thank you. Yes, it's been fun. And so I know you probably have learned a lot of a lot of things in these podcasts. What kind of stands out as some recent learnings on your side? Oh my goodness, yes. What kind of learnings? Well, I have reflected on that. Thank you for asking. And I have in draft right now a very short. Uh, I would say it's a it's going to be an ebook, and it'll be available without charge and as a PDF downloadable. In which here's what I did when we hit 250, or as we approach 250, uh, I reflected, <laughs> I contemplated. And I, uh, I um, identified, I think, uh, 12 or 13 podcasts that I thought were particularly poignant. And I pulled one quote out from each one of those podcasts that I felt delivered a message that's really important to the industry, really important to the agency distribution system, the leaders of it, the principles of it. And uh, and then on each of those quotes, I'm sharing my uh, my take on uh, what that particular guest had to say. So things are busy because I'm also relaunching my mastermind group. So I'm a little bit behind on that project, but it's underway. The design is done. I'm hoping that after the holidays, it'll be available. And um, so you asked what recent learnings. Um, that's a difficult question. Uh, there, I, I, I did identify about 10 themes that I felt really kept 
re-presenting themselves over and over again from the smartest people in the industry that I get an opportunity to interview. Um, and so to pull out one is tough, but I would say that there is, there's one that simply comes to mind and I think it is very important. Uh, I, I've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you've been in the industry a fairly long time for a person of your age, <laughs> but you were raised in this industry. And you know, true, true. like with your dad's agency, things were different. Um, very different in, let's say, the I'm predating you, but the 80s and the 90s and the sure. early 2000s than they are now. They were different in the world. Consumer behavior was different. Technologies were different. And the route to success is different. And so um, my sense is that what was really important back in that generation was for agency leadership to lead um, and convert agencies from really being almost like agents, um, you know, the, the solopreneur with maybe a small team to support them to really become mature businesses. And so ultimately, we had to lead to become better managers. That was the transition that agencies had to take. Um, and, uh, and we came good, uh, we became good managers, the excellent agency of the previous generation was well run, it had systems, it had good uh, staff, professional staff, people earned designations. Um, and as an industry, we really um, honored uh, professional education. We cared about state regulation and making sure that we were a well-behaved industry. Now, my sense is things really are quite different. The pace of change is much faster and we can't manage our way through um, that speed of change. We really need to lead our way through and agency principles need to be strategists. So in other words, uh, the execution of tactic is always important, but now more than ever, my sense is that agency leaders need to attend to strategy. They need to ask the big questions um, of uh, where are we going to play and how are we going to win? And that's a different, uh, that is a different um uh, role. It's a different paradigm. And I know that a lot of uh, a, a lot of the boomer generation don't want to make that shift. They don't want to have to move that fast. Um, it's not what they signed up for. But those who are, those who are keeping pace and really observing the trends and navigating through those trends, those are the ones that we see really um, excelling and accelerating organic growth. So that's that's a quick one for you, Peter. Yes, certainly. Now, I'll have to check out to be, that ebook I'm, once it goes live. <laughs> I am supposed to be interviewing you, um, so <laughs> but thank you for yeah. the question. Sure. Um, and also, I, I noticed on. Let's get this out of the way. As long as we're talking about the the glorious days of yesteryear, I noticed <laughs> on um, LinkedIn uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a little bit more, you had. Uh, posted a, a picture of yourself with a copy of the CSR Money Bible, That's written right. by yours truly. I uh, and I honestly, I no longer have a copy of that book. I don't think they're in print. I know you could sell it on eBay and be, and make thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yes, that that was sort of the core training for my um, for training CSRs on how to sell and how to cross sell and keep clients longer. So. That was a flash from the past. And I assume that was maybe your dad's copy. I, you know, I believe it was his or the agency's copy. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've kind of written the reincarnation for the 21st century here with your newest ebook. So I think I'm going to want to check that out and see what the, the latest and greatest and changes have been. Right on. Okay. Well, it's a, it, um, it's a fun time um, and certainly an exciting time to be in the industry right now. So absolutely agreed. So here's where I'd like to start this conversation. Peter, um, in that you are a startup CEO, and we will get to that. Um, and that is distinct from so many of the InsureTech CEOs that uh, have been guests on this podcast, or perhaps are clients of mine, who come into the industry from technology. They weren't born and raised in the industry, and sometimes the solutions they develop they weren't organically, you know, sort of they didn't they didn't emerge organically from the industry in the way that yours has. Um, and so where I want to start on the insurance side before we move to the technology side, because you've been looking at it. You worked in it. As an agent, 
And I will say a very well-educated agent with four designations. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so uh, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, a little bit on perhaps what I had just said about the rapid change of pace and um, the need for agency principals to think strategically. What do you observe now when you look at this industry of ours? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think if I was to identify, you know, three trends that I see affecting insurance agents and brokers today, I'd say number one, you know, private equity is very different today than it has been 10 or 20 years ago. I think um, probably most agents, agency owners listening to this podcast, um, they're probably getting offers to, uh, to either buy you, your agency, or to buy your competitors. I think the second I'm, thing is I'm, that I'm not, I'm not kidding. I spoke with a client of mine yesterday. He estimated that he probably gets three phone calls a day. No, he did say a lot of them are the same people. Right. But yeah, there's a yeah. lot of interest. There's a lot of interest. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think if you know they're not calling you, they're calling your competitors at least. And I think the second trend is that you know your competitors are probably offering to hire your employees. I think that um, you know people are in a war for the best talent, and um, if you have some talented people, there's probably a war happening. I think the third I trend that, is I, just I hear that daily, honestly. It, it, when I'm working with clients, one of their biggest concerns is recruiting talent and also maintaining the talent that they've invested in already. Absolutely. I mean, people want to grow; they want to grow fast, and the way to do that is to have people who know how to do it. And uh, it's a lot easier to just you know go find that person than it is to try and, you know, create the person, raise them over time. Maybe like we used to do back in the good old days of the CSR money Bible. Um, <laughs> I think the third trend is around technology. And I think there's just a, so many solutions both in the industry and outside of the industry. And so there are a number of technology vendors that are offering new solutions for you and also for your competitors, or maybe in some cases, these technology vendors are competing with you and trying to sell the same products in an easier, faster, better way. It right. feels more like you know the Amazon purchase or the Uber ride from the airport, um, or you know watching the next movie on Disney Plus or Netflix. Uh, well, let's talk about that for a moment. There are friendly and unfriendly insurtechs to the agency distribution system, um, and I know it's probably easy for. I mean, you're because of the nature of what you do now, you're going to have some bias toward the. Of uh, the health of the agency system, but what, um, how serious do you think the threats are that you um, that you referenced from, uh, let's say, competitive technologies? And, and and let's start with that. Like, do you, how how when you look at the future of this as a channel, um, how robust do you think it would be? How and and where do you think it may lose market share? You know, I, I think we just taking a step back, um, there have been billions and billions of dollars invested into insurance and insurance technology in the past, you know, quarter, never mind past year or past, you know, decade. Right. At this point. Right. In the, in the, and in the it, past quarter. <laughs> right. And so you and you can't you can't ignore the just the, the, the war chest of money. Now, I tell yeah. everybody there's a lot of ways to make money in insurance and there's a lot of ways to lose money in insurance because insurance doesn't take well to people who you know have unprofitable loss ratios. Um, every agency owner knows that, and so there's definitely a lot of ways to lose money. But these, you know, this funding is definitely accelerating learnings. And so, um, my take is that if we think that those billions of dollars in investment aren't going to change the industry and things are just going to continue to be the way they've always been, um, I would probably say you know I, I, I don't agree. We're already seeing these trends whether it's through the acquisitions in the space or through new, better, easier ways of, of buying insurance or through new insurance products themselves. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are probably selling some of those new products that are out there. You know, products like Openly Home Insurance that you can get a quote in two seconds uh, or 15 seconds by answering two questions. Um, it's just way easier, faster. And in their case, it's actually a better insurance product um, that was designed by former insurance industry veterans. And so I think that there are um, a lot of changes happening. Some of them are kind of on our side and some of them it's competitive. And I think, you know, everybody that is in business, they're an entrepreneur. They just know that that's what happens when you're in business is competition is a, is a fact of life. Okay. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who's 
going to be in this industry for a while. I mean, let's say five or 10 years. Um, now, it's, it, I know that it's very difficult to know what's going to happen in five years, but there are things that we need to do now to be successful in the near and midterm future. What do you think, though, what are those things for the agency principle? Yeah, you know, I think there's probably never been a more exciting time to be in insurance than there is today, even with all this money happening, because, you know, things are happening. Um, and I think that if I was a salesperson in the insurance space or running an agency, I'd say, and this actually goes to, I think, the theme of your podcast, what are, which is what are strategies and tactics for agency growth um, that we can, you know, think through and apply. And I think if I was in the shoes of a salesperson, I would really say like, what has worked well for us in the past and what, how should we think about that going forward? And I think that for a lot of us, it's continued to sell insurance, continue to sell profitable lines of insurance, maybe ha you know develop a niche focus where you can do a better than normal job and, um, and just stay focused on what your core competency is while being aware of, you know, what else is out there. It's, it's not, rocket science. It's kind of go back to the core of what you do, do that more and do that better. Um, I think that there's no secret. I do think it's, it's a grind. You got to be working hard, you know, nose to the ground and doing what you do more of it and better. Uh, for a moment, I want to circle back to your reference about, as you said, niche. I know you're close to the Canadian border. Um, the niche. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, so here, here's why I'm asking. I actually wrote about this yesterday because I, I quoted a client of mine, and maybe I'll ask you to reflect on this. It was Mark Peterson who was featured in this series yep. a month or so ago. And, and he literally said, um, uh, oh, here's how we put it. There are uh, riches and niches, riches and niches. Everybody knows that. And I thought, yeah, I think everybody knows that. I've been teaching that as a principal for over 25 years. But do you think now more than ever, um, the drive to be a specialist is greater? I mean, I think I've heard it, the drive to be a specialist from a lot of sales coaches and consultants. And I think that operationally and process wise, it mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, you kind of, cause you can kind of control more of the process and because you control more of it. And if you're really grinding it out, you can, you know, do a better job at it. I think there are certainly some, you know, risks that come with developing a niche, um, around, you know, market changes that are outside of your control where you oh, might be, right. You better, if you're <laughs> you better know the niche that you're getting into because I mean, like, you know, for example, contractors, let's say you, sure. you if you base your entire business on contractors, and there's an economic crash, then boom, I've had I've seen agents suffer greatly without some diversification. Right. So so yeah, I think, you know, I think it I think that can make sense for some people. But again, I kind of go back to my generic point, which is there's a lot of ways to make money in insurance. There's yeah, a lot of ways to lose are. money. And so I don't think that you have to be like a niche specialist to uh, to succeed in this industry. And I, I and I'm sure you've seen it as well as I have as like examples of people who've built great businesses. Um, that don't have, you know, one specific niche. I think that a few thoughts that kind of get me excited about where I would have my mind, where I'd be asking questions about opportunities for growth is I'd ask myself, what are the triggers to shop? In fact, you know, we've modeled this out at WonderWrite as thinking about our processes to help agencies, but when do people buy insurance? What triggers them to want to buy insurance or make a change or shop their pricing? Map that out. Map it out in your niche. I think there's there's a tremendous amount of things to think through, questions to ask, ways to improve your process. Why do people buy insurance? What causes them to shop? What's happening at the time? Um, is it a new purchase? Is it a price increase? Um, who are the centers of influence? You know, try and map that out. I think another thing that gets me excited is um, what are just the current best practice strategies used by leading software companies? There are so many software companies out there today. You know, think of something as simple as Calendly um, or the next iteration of Calendly that's out there to like streamline your calendar setting. How do they, you know, think about um, best practices? both to sell their software, implement their software and retain their customers. And what learnings can I get applying to my insurance agency? I think another thing okay. that gets me excited today. Yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah, you sure, sure. You, you, you can't just cut through that one and move on too quickly. 
Um, well, having done both, you know, me running run an insurance agency and also run an insure tech, uh, my observation is that the demands of technology um, are so um, they're, they're they're so huge. Um, the, the need, you know, now I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't run my technology company when there was all this money available, Peter. So, um, the, <laughs> sure. the, the, the need to, um, scale, um, and outrun the cash flow monster and prove traction is something that most agencies really haven't had to deal with. So learning, um, learning speed and learning the principles of scaling, um, seem to that those seem to be um, learnings that would arise from the technology industry and could be brought over to the insurance industry. So yes, I want your perspective on that. What what's going on in software companies that could be valuable strategically for insurance agencies? Yeah, and I, I think taking a step back, it's just like T- take the last purchase you made in the tech space. Like, do you know what, Michael, the last thing that you bought as a tech or a product that was kind of an interesting thing? Uh, y- yeah, yeah, like a little, you know, an app, right? It was, uh, and I tested it that it's sort of at the low cost option, and yeah. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I got a a, a smart Google Home screen for the kitchen. Uh, there was some deal they had. It was basically for free. It's like an iPad, but from Google, and it integrates with your whole home. Um, and I was like, I, I want to onboard this just to know what it's like to onboard to a new technology that, you know, some of us might be like, ah, I don't want that thing in my house listening to me all the time. You know, <laughs> what's the experience yeah. like when you buy it? What kind of follow-up do you get from the company after you've bought it? What does the onboarding look like? I realized I have about 30 seconds to 90 seconds of patience to deal with right. onboarding. That's just my my expectations today. I have zero uh-huh. patience. Yeah. And so like, how do you take those learnings from any type of technology purchase or product and apply that to, and then think that about your own agency through those lens? If you know that people have 30 to, to 90 seconds of patience, what does that mean for you when you're sending people a mountain of insurance paperwork or you're trying to explain a super complex experience mod and you're like, these people are gonna be like eyes glossing over thinking about this, whether it's, you know, a purchase of a Google smart home, or maybe you've heard of, you know, the Zoom, you know, Zoom software for, for, for recording and meeting people, but maybe you've heard of Gong for recording your video calls and how Gong can kind of aggregate all the sales learnings. There's just so much that you could learn from just trying out all the new different technologies, reading about them, watching videos about them, tinkering with them. It's kind of like, what are the learnings that these companies have taken a shortcut to learn? And how can I think about that to apply to my agency? Here's an example is that uh, Teresa just got an Apple watch. Okay, there you go. So there you Perfect. go. Uh, from, from the, I mean, there's anticipation of having it show up because it actually took weeks <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because everybody exactly. else was fine. And then there's the packaging. So, uh, so managing also, expectations, yep. Man, Initial man, delivery. Exceed, exceeding expectations and, and then, you know, delivering a product that is almost, um, uh, you know, it, it almost uh, just reveals it uh, reveals to the user how to use me, right? It's uh, I'm easy to use, so use me. And then, of course, they they also um, you know make it make it easy to schedule customer support calls and training calls and videos for training and so on and so forth. So, yeah. So you think Certainly. that um, you, do you think the uh, it, is it that like that physical product has certain delight built into it? Do you think insurance can uh, also have some level of delight built into it? I mean, I, I'm kind of a geek and I think that it can. I mean, my first child was born, um, you know, six weeks premature and getting that mountain of, of medical bills was overwhelming. I think it was over $50,000 of bills. And so when insurance is really doing what it's designed to do, it can be a tremendous, a tremendous experience, a wonderful product. That's kind of part of the reason I wanted to name the company Wonderwrite was just thinking back to like anybody who's been in this business for more than, you know, five years, they've probably written some checks, some pretty sizable checks to people that really, really needed them. And so I think there can definitely be some delight. It's different. It's very different than like maybe a physical product. But again, I think my question is just like, 
what are the best software companies and technology companies? What are their learnings about their respective products? And how can we think about those and think about our own experiences to ask questions about how are people experiencing my agency? Do I have web chat on the website? How hard or easy is it to do X, Y, Z? Can I pay with a credit card? I mean, like silly little things that can, um, that can make a better experience. And I think, is there a delight built to a product? There can be. Can be uh, because it's, it's to, to a large extent, uh, um, you know, people people buy relationship, right? So, uh, and so if that relationship comes across as being, you know, caring and respecting and um, delivered with authority, then yeah, I, I think people people can have their expectations exceeded. Absolutely. I just think to kind of circle back, uh, some other things that are exciting for me right now, I think post-COVID networking is like a really interesting topic. I think people are dying to get outside the house. I think people are excited to go to networking events. Um, And I just think there's a little opportunity there. I think there's something where it's like, if you can figure out right now, how do I put on or take a part of some of the best networking that's happening? Because people will talk to anybody just so they can get outside the house. I think that's something that's interesting. Um, I also what, think what do you, with all this, you, uh, let, let's just spend a moment on that. What, um, what forms do you think that will take? And do you think now is the time? You know, it's a really hard time because it's changing every week and you have to be paying attention to the news. You have to be paying attention to, um, you know, COVID case counts and kind of what our leaders are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tough time, but I will say I've been to, I think four or five trade shows in the past month and a half. And people were exuberant to be out and about and meeting people. And so if your business is built on relationships, I'll bet you that there is business to be had and business to be won right now because people are more willing to talk to you now than they have been for the past, you know, five, 10 years, just because they've been stuck at home with not much to talk about. Um, and so if you're there, you're probably going to yeah. win. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll share the, I'll, I will share that observation with you also. I, I think you're right. And I'm basing that on the fact that uh, members of my mastermind group, which I put on pause two years ago when COVID started, uh, <coughs> have now reached out to me and said, Michael, restart it. And so I'm banking yeah. on the fact that the industry is ready for that. I think if I was a young agent thinking about the next five to 10 years, I would be excited about targeting business from somebody who was recently purchased. And this might be a little controversial to some of your listeners if they're part of that group. But I can tell you, if I was running an agency right now, I would be creating a strategy to target business from people who are purchased. I would create a narrative and tell a story and I would try and do something. Now, if I was in the category where I was purchased, I would also try to be create a narrative and sell more deals because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think these are opportunities. Back to the triggers to shop. I think this could be a trigger to shop one way or the other. And I would want to create a narrative to kind of suit my, my needs as a salesperson to help grow my organization. Yeah, uh, um, I, I assume you're saying that you think those uh, some of those recently purchased agencies are vulnerable to customer churn. I'd say if I was on the other side of the transaction, I'd say they are vulnerable to, to a lot of change. They're vulnerable to taking their, their attention away from the customer and I have an opportunity. But on the flip side, maybe if I was at one of the agencies that was doing the acquiring or had just gotten acquired, what kind of story can I tell about the bigger organization and the new assets that we can mm-hmm. bring and all the new great things that we can do from our customer because of this new investment? I think it, it, can, it can kind of go both ways. And so it's just a matter of, you know, what could get me excited. I think the last thing is, um, I think recruiting next generation talent. How are you telling your story? I think there's a lot of people out there that are looking for new opportunities. And if you could craft a story about this industry being in a really exciting, probably the most exciting time we've ever been in, you could potentially tell a really interesting story and a compelling story to get people on board with your vision for the future. Um, you are, uh, I don't know what generation technically. I'm a you're millennial. In. You're a millennial. I'm a millennial. Um, and so when you tell your millennial friends that you're in the insurance industry, it, I'm curious, generally, what's their reaction? Um, gosh, you know, it's probably been a few years since okay. I told, since somebody. I, in my oh, now now you tell them you're a, you're a tech startup, so they think it's really exciting. But what do you think? What's the general attitude of your generation to the insurance industry now? Because obviously, as an industry, we need to reach deeply into that generation and find its best talent 
Yeah, I mean, look, you. there's a lot of ways to frame this, but it's traditionally, and I think will probably always be, probably not the sexiest industry, right? But if I'm a millennial, let's say I'm selling long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. and I can say, you know what? There is a problem in our country right now where millions and millions of people are are being left at home without someone to take care of them. They don't have a good solution as far as taking care of them. That is about to be a tidal wave affecting my generation, millennials, as we think about taking care of our parents. It's an enormous, right. enormous problem. And there's a tremendous opportunity to sell a traditionally undersold product into this marketplace. And if you're excited about business like I am, that problem excites me because you're, you're, you're working in a business that is suiting the needs of millions and millions of Americans. And so I think that like, you have to be excited about it. You have to be able to communicate that passion. And I think that you can probably get people excited about a problem by framing it in a new way that they hadn't thought about before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about WonderWrite. Um, you know, Certainly. as I mentioned, I, I have, um, I have insure tech clients who come from the tech world, not the insurance world. And likewise, I've had guests on this show who have the same background. Um, and I don't want to diminish the, the solutions that they bring. They could be very powerful and very exciting. They'll often go through some searching period where they really have to clarify their value proposition and clarify their ideal prospect. Um, th- sometimes the solution exists before the market is identified for it. In your case, um, I think it's probably the opposite because you were embedded within the industry. And I assume that you're, th- that the product emerged from what you saw on a daily basis. Is that? Yeah, is absolutely tell, right. What is your so story? I, I, I was a 24-year-old working at my family agency, um, trying to get the, the average person in my area is 60 years old, right? So the average business owner is 60. I'm 24. I'm a millennial. And this was, you know, 10 years ago trying to get people to fire their golfing buddy, their high school football buddy and hire me. Like that's not Uh a great, it was tough. Um, And so one of the things that I did to your earlier point is I went and got a bunch of designations because I wanted to know and prove that I knew insurance really well. I don't think that getting designations is going to win you deals, but I think it will help you, you know, change the narrative and, you know, do a better job as a specialist. Um, And so I worked really hard to get these designations in a very short amount of time. And I worked very hard to sell personal insurance, commercial life, health insurance, all the insurances. And I would work hard to win accounts on a broker record. And what I found, Michael, was even with being a 24-year-old millennial and having new knowledge about the insurance industry, I would work really hard to, to go win an account and then we would get stuck in mountains of paperwork. And if we contrast to, you know, your, your experience with the Apple watch, it, it wasn't a fun experience to open up that binder full of insurance policies. It wasn't <laughs> fun to work through those mountains of supplementals, even after kind of winning the deal on a BOR. And there's like this period of excitement, like, Hey, I have a new relationship. I have this guy who like knows insurance really well. He's helping solve all these problems that I didn't even know I had, and he's going to fix them all for me. He has a plan put together. Um, and then what do we do? We just went and filled out paperwork. And so I knew there had to be a better, easier way to fill out supplemental forms, to collaborate with my customers, to fill out accord forms. And that hopefully, and this is kind of the vision is like, hopefully all that data that we collect now can be useful in the future. It can be useful for making a plan. Hey, you said you don't have a firewall. Let's put a plan to get a firewall in place. And hopefully that's going to impact your insurance. Hey, you said that your drivers are kind of struggling and you don't have any driver onboarding. Well, let's put a plan in place to get driver onboarding so that you know you can hopefully have a safer, you know, a safer company at the end of the process of working together. And so hopefully part of using a better tool to collaborate, to fill out the supplementals, gather the data can be used to prescribe treatments you know, beyond and in addition to you know, just the insurance policy. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so talk to us about <clears throat> uh, in, um, in the real world, how does that happen? So you, you, you've identified two things so you can, and you may see it differently, but it seems that one, you are talking about the facilitation of insurance, the insurance transaction itself, simplifying and making it more efficient. And number two, you talked about then using the data that was gathered to create a plan that then builds a safer customer. 
Absolutely. So I think just taking a step okay. back, I think that if you look at a traditional agency management software, they were purpose built to really replace a filing cabinet of insurance policies. They weren't designed from a sales or customer experience perspective. And that's you, kind of what I was remember, getting at the heart do, of. Uh, do, do, you, do you remember your dad's filing cabinets? I do. We had yeah, a, a thousand square took foot. took up the whole back wall of, an, of the agency, right? We, we had a thousand square foot room in the basement, floor to ceiling uh, filing cabinets. We had a high speed scanner. We'd scan all the policies, but we had to keep them for seven <clears> years. And so every year, like on January 1, we could throw away a whole new row of filing cabinets <laughs> and shred all the policies. And literally AMSs were designed to replace that. And there was a right. time when storage was expensive on a disk. And so they were only storing a few key points. They weren't mm -hmm. storing all the underwriting points. They weren't storing a copy of the supplemental and that wasn't being structured. But big picture, these AMSs, they actually weren't designed. They were designed before the internet. They, they were designed before mobile phones and they weren't designed to help me as a salesperson or to help my customer thinking about their experience. It was really designed kind of for agency, you know, internal operations. And so I think how does OneRight work is we want to come in and be this tool to help both from a sales and customer experience perspective. We want number one, your customers to have an amazing experience. Wow, I got an email, I clicked the link, I opened it up, I answered a few questions and I was done. I didn't have to open an email, print off a PDF, <coughs> realize my printer's out of ink, uh, try yeah, and fill right. it out, not know how to answer the form, scan then I gotta it. scan it, <laughs> my scanner was broken, so I gotta snap a photo of my, my camera and then text the photo back to my agent. Now my agent has a text and has to like somehow get it from his, his, his messages into his agency management software. Just wanted to like create a way easier customer experience. And again, this is where we're seeing this in every aspect of our lives. People have no patience. You can click a button on Amazon and buy anything and have it at your door tomorrow. You know, why is it still such a, a convoluted process in insurance? And that's kind of where Wonderite comes in as far as the gathering data component. Okay. Um, so, so your company has been around since, did you say 18? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we, um, the idea has been around, I think since 2013, in my mind, kicking around in various phases. I went to business school between 2017 to 2018, 2019. We incorporated during business school for some uh, business plan competitions, but really we started you know, in the summer of 2019 is when my business partner, Joe, and I, you know, we graduated the MBA and we said, we're going to do this full time. Um, we, we bootstrapped the company. We didn't take a salary and um, we ran the company for six months until we took it through a, a technology accelerator called Techstars here in Boston. Um, and then we raised our first friends and family money. And then, you know, through COVID, we were just heads down coding. And basically in the spring of 2021, so maybe six, seven months ago, we raised um, our seed round or our first round of institutional invest investment. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on that. And secondly, it's my Thank understanding you. that uh, some of that um, funding was from within the industry. So there must be some industry confidence in what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had, I, I had been a part of Marshberry's Apex. And so I knew John Wepler through Apex. Um, John Wepler from Marshberry is an investor. I met Brian Hetherington from, um, from ABD team as part of BrokerTech. So BrokerTech is, Ventures wow. is an investor. They are a consortium of some of the biggest brokerages in the country that are excited about supporting the next generation of technology. Uh, so Brian, uh, BrokerTech. Heffernan was another one of the members there. There's, there's a number uh -huh. of agencies who's, who've invested in us and, and um, e even other, you know, uh, technology startup founders and sure tech founders that are from the industry have invested. So we definitely have some great insurance background folks who believe in what we're doing and are excited about the vision. At the same time, we have some of the best investors on the venture side who have backed some of the, the biggest household name companies that everybody recognizes names like Slack and Twitter and Discord and Wayfair. Um, so it's, some of our investors have written the first checks to companies like these, and they're excited about the opportunity that Wonderite is. Um, congratulations. And that's Spark. Am I right about that? Yeah, exactly. That's... We're working with Alex from Spark Capital. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what's next? Where, where do you see your story going? So I see our story going is we are continuing down the path of building this, this tool. And I think where we are right now is, you know, we've hired our first salespeople this past summer 
and the early sales numbers are looking really promising. And so we want to continue down, you know, refining that sales motion, winning new customers. And I think probably one of the most important things from my perspective, having been in the agency world is um, wanting to see the software implement successfully. I can't tell you how many agencies I've gone to where the owner is excited to talk about all the, the tools they have. And then it's like, okay, can you show me how this tool is being used? And it's kind of like, yeah, it's not. It's sitting on the shelf. And so I think for us, where where we're really paying a lot of attention at Wonderwrite is, you know, how successfully are agencies implementing the software? How quickly mm -hmm. can they get up to speed? I, I want a world where when you sign up with Wonderwrite, you know, you click the button and you know, maybe you have onboarding, maybe you don't, but you get up to speed really fast and you can see the ROI very, very quickly and then feel excited about that purchase. And then, um, so, um, so, so do you see uh, your tool as uh, something that would be um, used on a regular basis? It's not something you pull off for special needs, but it, it would be something that um, becomes, you know, like, like the hammer for a carpenter. It's like, that's, the, that's my go-to tool when I'm dealing with, uh, what is it, small commercial lines? Help me out there. Yeah, so I'd say any time that uh, like you as an agency, a producer, account manager need <coughs> mm -hmm. to collect data from a customer, whether it's on an intake form, whether right. it's on a PDF, like a supplemental and a cord form or a schedule, mm -hmm. vehicles, drivers, whatever. Anytime you need to gather that from your customers and collaborate either with your customers or with your team internally, um, Wonderwrite is the easiest way and fastest way to get that done in a great customer experience, which I, I don't think is out there today where we really have this great customer experience. Where we're going immediately is you know, we're launching Digital Signature, um, you know, hopefully next quarter. And I think Digital Signature is just the next logical progression. So now you can fill out the whole application, click a button, sign off on it. Okay. And the focus, Peter, is it small commercial lines or all commercial lines or... Yeah, so I think, re yeah, really where I built out Wonderite the most was kind of from my experience writing commercial deals. Somebody who was paying, I would say, 25000 in premium up to, you know, half a million in premium or more, where okay. there's, there's a lot of complexity to track all the different things that are happening in the business, all the different properties you own, all the different building construction types and, you know, the, the year you've done updates, all the pieces of equipment all the vehicles and drivers, there's just a lot of moving parts. And so Wonderite's really powerful where it can manage all that stuff. What's interesting is that the same tools that you're using to work with these, you know, like I'd say large on the large and the small commercial side to middle market accounts, it kind of makes sense as well for, you know, smaller businesses or for, um, you know, high net worth uh, personalized clients where they might have a little bit of sophisticated needs, mm. but ultimately every, every, every customer that's out <laughs> there, they want to have easier experiences. And so we do have a personal lines workflow. We do have okay. oh, you know, workflows right. that work for small commercial as well. Okay. Um, I have two final questions for you. <clears throat> Certainly. Uh, and I, I do like to ask this of technology experts, but I'm particularly intrigued by your response um, also being um, having an insurance background. <clears throat> As we've discussed, technology is flowing down the stream at a ra very rapid pace. And, um, and e each of these products is um, saying, pay attention to me, buy me. Um, and so I'll frequently hear from agents that they get so many inbound calls. Um, it's sometimes tempting to chase the shiny new thing. And it's sometimes tempting to say, forget it. You know, like there are too many choices. Yeah. Um, and something we've discovered, which I've spoken about before when I ran Agency Revolution, is that it, while it took us a while to build a what I think became a world class sales system, uh, what we discovered was that the agency force didn't have a world-class buying system for technology. Um, now, I think presumably we're probably getting a little better at it as an industry, but to the industry, to the agency leaders, what would you say to them about how to buy technology, how to make technology buying decisions? Yeah, that's a huge question. And I sympathize because I remember those days. Um, it's easy to get excited about new tools. It's 
it gets um, almost competitive or you get a fear of missing out when you know that your peers have new tools or your, or your competitors that you don't. You know, it's, it's nothing like going to um, a networking event with other agency owners and they're all talking about this great tools they have. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm behind. My mm -hmm. own experience, you know, both at my family agency and today is to explore tools that solve my problems and then implement it and use it until it breaks. Like be a power user. I can tell you right now, without a doubt, I am a top percentage user of Google Docs, like Google Workspace, you know, Google Documents, yeah. uh, Google Sheets, uh -huh. Google Slides. I know <laughs> the latest and greatest features. I know when it breaks. I know when they add new things. Um, and I know at some point, I know I have to migrate to a new software because I know that I've used that software for more than it's designed. And I think most agencies can't say this about a lot of their tools. And so my, I would sympathize with, with the feeling about there's a lot of tech. I would say use the solutions until they break. And, it, and when they do break or are approaching the breaking limit. Um, so for example, you're like, hey, I have Adobe Acrobat. I can fill in forms and I can kind of import it to DocuSign and get it signed, but I can't, can't do like the whole process. It's not, it's not totally intuitive. At that point, like explore new tools that are out there. And run a process, almost like you're hiring somebody and say, here are the five or 10 tools we're going to look at um, and write down a lot of smart questions beforehand so you can have really engaging sales conversations, take a lot of really good notes. That's how we do things with our software purchases is we define our objectives. We've become experts on the on a power user of an existing tool. We, we know the reasons why we have to change and then take time, you know, making some smart decisions, talk to some people who are using it. Um, I would say for agencies that are out there, you probably should be taking time to talk to, you know, a, a lot of different startup and tech providers. I would say go look at Broker Tech Ventures, look at every company they invested in and, and go talk to them. I think the challenge is going to be if you're a small agency, you have a lot of things you got to do every day. You may not have the time to do that. And so that's why you might benefit from joining some sort of a mastermind group. And there's a lot of these masterminds. Like it sounds like you have a mastermind group, you know, talk to them and say like, what are the different tools that are you seeing out there? What are the, com the comparables, you know, mm -hmm. trade notes, but the biggest and most important part is going to be if you've done a thorough job vetting a technology tool is, is implement it, you know, get, get the 80% of the value with a 20% of the effort out of the tool, implement it and, you know, see it be successful. I think that's going to be the biggest part that's going to separate any technology tool out from the competitors is its successful implementation. Ah, okay. Yeah. Technology is, is not just about buying it. <laughs> I, I, I know that also from the other side. Oh yeah. Is, is sometimes people thought they could just check the box off. All right. Um, Peter, if people want to learn more about Wonderwrite, how should they do that? I would say in whatever me, uh, means is most convenient to them. They can come check out our website, request a demo. They can email Peter at wonderwrite.com. That's W-U-N-D-E-R-I-T-E.com. Um, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can call 888-WONDERWRITE, <laughs> which is a phone number we bought to make it easy Sweet. to remember. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot of ways possible. We still have eight, vanity 800 numbers out there. Okay, good. You know, some insurance producers are still out there on the road driving to their appointments. And um, for those producers that want to get some windshield time on and, and, and talk on the phone, it's like, Let's talk on the phone. Right on. Very good. Um, well, Peter, it's been a delight uh, spending some time with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks, Michael. Look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.